Welcome to Women Read Scripture. I'm Mariana Richardson. And I'm Drew Huffaker. Today we're going to be discussing 1 Nephi chapters 6 through 10. And the focus is on come and partake of the fruit. And to begin, I want us to start in 1 Nephi chapter 6 verses 4 through 5. Just to remember the whole reason why Nephi records a record at all and why that's so important. And so we'll begin. For the fullness of mine intent is that I may persuade men to come unto the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob, and be saved, which is Jesus Christ. Wherefore, the things which are pleasing unto the world I do not write, but the things which are pleasing unto God and unto those who are not of the world. Wherefore, I shall give commandment that unto my seed that they shall not occupy these plates with things which are not of worth unto the children of men. So we have to remember that when Nephi is writing, his whole intent is to bring us unto Christ. And as we go through our discussion today, that's the whole focus of what we're going to be talking about is how to come unto Christ. Now, oftentimes when we ask people or invite people to come unto Christ, this idea of persuading others to believe, it's really important to realize that it is a persuasion. It is an invitation. As a matter of fact, I keep on thinking about preach my gospel and some of the wonderful things that are taught in preach my gospel about this, how we invite others to come into Christ. We don't force them. We don't you know, constantly preach to them, but instead we persuade and invite. Right. And sometimes those invitations can be just simply sharing how the Lord has blessed us in our, in, in our own lives, because sometimes telling them doctrine, those kind of things will push people away. But sometimes just by living their example, inviting them when we can to join us for church or special discussions or anything like that, those are ways that we can naturally invite them to come into Christ. And I love that. I think that that is kind of the, the focus is that it needs to be natural. A matter of fact, he says here in that verse that you just read that he is very much talking about things that are pleasing unto God and unto those who are not of the world. And that idea of things that are pleasing unto God, if somebody, somebody's heart is ready to hear it, mm -hmm. then they will find it pleasing as well. That's very true. That is very true. And if they're not prepared, maybe they all have hardened hearts for a while, but in time, hopefully they'll soften. And we see that with Laman and Lemuel over and over and over <laughs> again. <laughs> yes, we do. Yes, we do. So last week we talked about Le um, Nephi and his brothers being commanded by the Lord to go back to get the brass plates in Jerusalem. And then they took that long journey back in the wilderness to the tent of Lehi. Well, this time they're commanded by the Lord to go back and persuade gently Ishmael's family to come and join them so that they can have wives, basically. And I think it's really important. Why would the Lord want them to have wives besides hopefully it'll help them not be as honorary? <laughs> Well, no. sometimes they do the other part. The so. But what is the purpose? Why does the Lord want us to be married if we, if we have that opportunity? And if we look at chapter 7, verse 1, 
It reads, The Lord spake unto him again, saying that it was not meet for him, Lehi, that he should take his family into the wilderness alone, but that his sons should take daughters to wife, that, thy, that they may raise up seed unto the Lord in the land of promise. So, Heavenly Father wants us to raise a righteous seed unto him. And when we become family units, that's what he's hoping that we're going to do, that we will turn to him and we will gather our families together and all together return to his presence someday. So I love that, that the reason why we get married is so that we can raise a righteous seed to him. Well, and our purpose also is to find a sweetheart. <laughs> and I think that's really important that we are also examples of what that means. I think of President Nelson's counsel on marriage. He said very specifically, harmony in marriage comes only when one esteems the welfare of his or her spouse among the highest of priorities. When that really happens, a celestial marriage becomes a reality, bringing great joy in this life and in the life to come. You know, basically, President Nelson says over and over again how marriage brings happiness and joy into our lives here on earth, but also in the eternities as well. So I really do also think he was trying to bring them happiness yes, on this journey, that he was trying to help them to find joy, but also companionship, you know, so that they weren't alone. And we can ease each other's burdens when we're in a family. When we have a spouse and children, we help each other and lift each other. And that's an important part of going out in the wilderness. But then the irony is what happens next. <laughs> so instead of helping each other with burdens, we have a kind of an insurrection. We have Laman and Lemuel kind of saying with Ishmael and the other people that are in Ishmael's family. And we're not sure exactly how many people came from Ishmael's family either. But we know that there were obviously daughters and also some sons. Mm -hmm. And so they are also talking about how, you know, maybe we should go back. <laughs> yes, this becomes a big feud because as they're coming, Ishmael's family and the others start realizing this is not easy. This is a long journey that they're taking. And this is just the beginning. Yeah. And they're like, wait, maybe we should go back to Jerusalem. But Nephi says, you know, basically, do you not remember what the Lord's done? And if you stay, Jerusalem is going to be destroyed and you choose. You can go back if you want, but you're going to be destroyed. Well, his brothers did not like this at all. No, and did what did not. they do to him? Well, they bound him. And not only did they just bind him, but they were really doing it to kill him. Yes. And so they were going to leave him in the desert. And if you've ever been to the Mideast, we're, you know, the reality of what they were trying to do, it's wild beasts, but it's also no water. And my guess is it wouldn't take very long for, for Nephi to die. Oh, yeah. And they knew that. And they knew that. So at this point, Nephi prays. But it's interesting because his prayer is not necessarily to, you know, have immediate change. You know, he doesn't pray for an angel, which happened last time his <laughs> brothers beat up on him. But instead, he asks very specifically that he is given strength that I may burst these bands with which I am bound. 
So he's asking for the strength to do it himself. And for me, that's really interesting because I think sometimes when we're in situations, especially in our family, I don't know about you, but sometimes we do pray, Lord, give me strength. <laughs> give me strength to be able to handle what's happening in my family. And Elder Bednar gave a wonderful talk specifically about this give me strength, about how Nephi asked the Lord to help give him strength. And he said, the enabling power of the atonement of Christ strengthens us to do things we could never do on our own. And obviously, Nephi could not burst these bands on his own. Sometimes I wonder if in our Latter-day Saint world of ease, in our world of microwave ovens and cell phones and air-conditioned cars and comfortable homes, I wonder if we ever learn to acknowledge our daily dependence upon the enabling power of the atonement. So throughout that enabling power, Nephi is able to burst those bands with that additional strength from the Lord. And the important thing to remember too is the enabling power of the atonement is there, but he had to ask. He and had and to he ask. had to work. Yes. You know, he had to do his side of the work. Yes. I love that scripture in seven in first Nephi chapter seven verse verse seventeen. It talks about this, and it says, I prayed unto the Lord, saying, O Lord, according to my faith which is in thee, wilt thou deliver me from the hands of my brethren? Yea, even give me strength that I might burst these bands with which I am bound, like Mariana said. Well, sometimes I wonder in our own lives, what are the things that bind us? What are the things that keep us from enjoying the blessings of the gospel or that may keep us from feeling close to the Lord. Sometimes they could be sin. Some kind, sometimes maybe the thing that is binding us is discouragement or fear. And we need to remember that if we call upon the Lord and pray that that enabling power of the atonement will help us, give us the strength to overcome those weaknesses and those challenges, that we can in everyday life be freed from the things that we are bound that keep us from the Lord. But on the same hand, we have to make sure that we do our part. Yes. And that's exactly what Nephi did. He did do his part. Right after this experience, we also have another lesson that we can learn from Nephi. And that is the importance of being willing to frankly forgive. A matter of fact, once that Laman and Lemuel kind of comes come to their senses, they realize, oh no, we really were trying to kill our brother. They felt very sorrowful. And this is found in verse 20. They felt sorrowful because of their wickedness insomuch they did bow down before me. I mean, so they were really feeling bad and did plead with me that I would forgive them of the thing that they had done against me. So they're realizing this and it was because of the pleadings of basically the family that was behind Nephi. And the thing that's interesting to me is they could have gotten angry. They could have come to blows. I mean, it could be an all out war, but instead those that were on Nephi's side, they did it through pleading. They did it through more love and it softened the hearts of these brothers to the point where they realized, oh no, I really did a bad thing here. 
And then Nephi's example was he said, and it came to pass that I did frankly forgive them all that they had done. So it wasn't just part, it was all, it was the whole thing. He did forgive them. And I love this quote by Elder Devin Cornish, because I think sometimes we have problems with forgiving people, especially when they've done something really horrible. I mean, this is pretty bad. This is pretty bad. He said, the Savior made a clear connection between being forgiven of our sins and forgiving others who have wronged us. Sometimes the wrongs others have done to us are very, very painful and very hard to either forgive or forget. I am so grateful for the comfort and healing I have found in the Lord's invitation to let go of our hurts and turn them over to him. That is not easy to do, is it? It is not. Because we like to remember the things that people have done to us. But we will be judged the same way we judge others. If we forgive, we can be forgiven. And even though Nephi's brothers were trying to kill him, um, he was able to forgive. And we think of the horrendous things sometimes. Sometimes life is hard and we have very difficult things to forgive. But it's important for our own salvation that we learn to forgive. Well, after this experience, they do go back. And when they go back, Lehi has seen a vision. And he tells that vision to all of his sons, to Nephi, Laman, Lemuel, Sam, the whole, you know, all the family. And we have this beautiful tree of life analogy. He to begin this discussion, I want us to remember that the tree of life, the love of God, the fruits of the atonement and eternal life are offered to everyone. He is not trying to shun some people away. He, his invitation is extended to all. And I want us to remember as we go into this discussion that we all are on this journey in some way or another, and we need to assess where are we right now today in this path? Are we on the straight and narrow? Have we partaken of the fruit, but sometimes get distracted and look toward the great and spacious building and let the world affect us a little more than it should? Are we feasting on the fruit? Do we have those that have wandered off that we need to be concerned about? So think about that as we go into this discussion today and reassess where we are and maybe the members of our family are on this path. Well, and along with that, Lehi also shares his thoughts and feelings about this vision to all of his family. He doesn't just pick those that he knows will be happy about the vision <laughs> that actually made it to the fruit, but he tells all of them. He gives all of them an opportunity to understand what he's trying to do. And I do think that it's kind of fun to act out this wonderful vision <laughs> And you can do it with a broomstick as the iron rod. You can do it as a made-up tree with marshmallows hanging from it as the white fruit. <laughs> but you can think about ways that you want to teach your children this beautiful analogy of the tree of life. I love that idea. <laughs> <laughs> it's a lot of fun. Um, but there's four groups that are trying to get to the tree. So the first group is when the mists of darkness arose, they did lose their way and they never really made it. You know, they tried, 
but they never made it. The mists of darkness, they, they just kind of disappeared after that. The second group, they did get all the way to the fruit and they took partook of the fruit, but then they became ashamed. As the great and spacious building, the people started pointing fingers and making fun of them. The third group stayed on the path and then ate from the fruit freely. I love that. They freely, you know, just loved the fruit, just partook and just had a great old time. And then the fourth was basically, they didn't even hold on to the iron rod. They kind of went straight to the great and spacious building. And, and so we might see all four of those groups as we think about people, but also in our own lives, we might have different times in our lives when we're one of these four groups as well. That's true. And there are some people who come easily to the tree. And there's some that, like you said, they just are not interested. For whatever reason in this life, they are just focused on the world or other things and never have any interest in coming. So as we start this discussion, I would like to start with chapter 8, verses 5 through 8. And this is when the vision first opens for Lehi. And it says, And it came to pass that I saw a man, and he was dressed in a white robe, and he came and stood before me. And it came to pass that he spake unto me and bade me follow him. And it came to pass that as I followed him, I beheld myself that I was in a dark and dreary waste. And after I had traveled for the space of many hours in darkness, I began to pray unto the Lord that he would have mercy on me. I love to think about the part where he said, I beheld myself in the dark and dreary waste. So I think as children, we go along in life and we're just happy-go-lucky, things are great. Things become a little tougher as we get older. And at some point in our lives, we realize we need God. Mm -hmm. We need help. This is harder than, you know, I thought it was going to be when I was young. And you have to come to yourself. You have to behold yourself and realize that I'm in this dark place and I need the light of the Lord in my life. I also like the end of that verse where he says, according to the multitude of his tender mercies. And I think sometimes we also need to, when we get to that part, be able to see the tender mercies of the Lord, mm -hmm. because that's also what happened to Lehi. He was in that dark place, but then he was able to have his eyes open and think about the tender mercies, the multitude. I love that word. Yes. The I multitude of tender mercies that the Lord had given to him and to others that he had seen. I do love that. Okay. And let's go ahead and start thinking of each of the four groups. Do you want to explain a little bit about the straight and narrow path? Of course. Um, this is found in verse 20. And he said, and this is Lehi talking. He says, and I also beheld a straight and narrow path, which came along by the rod of iron. And it's even by the tree by which I stood. So this straight and narrow path Oftentimes, this is different than the S-T-R-A-I-G-H-T. <laughs> Instead, this is S-T-R-A-I-T. But this straight is that it's exacting, it's difficult, it's strict, and there's going to be bumps and curves along the way. And that's the reason why we have to hold on to that iron rod. 
And, you know, I like to think, for whatever reason, I like to think of the iron rod being low. And if you think about that, when we're prideful and puffed up, we walk around, you know, kind of oh, that's proud. True. And I things. never thought of that. And if we have to reach down low, it also keeps us with our head focused. Because you, if you're looking up, you have to be looking down to hold on. You have to be close to your knees mm -hmm. to be praying. And you have to, it's hard. It's a lot harder to go along a path if you're holding on to something that's sturdy, but you have to make an effort to keep holding on to it. So for whatever reason, I've always thought that the rod of iron would be something lower that will keep us grounded, that we will have to come to the Lord in, on our knees, that we will just have to make extra effort to have it happen. Oh, I love that. That's beautiful. Another thing that I think is powerful about Lehi's example is that he stayed at the tree. So he was looking for his family, which all of us do. And as he's looking for his family, he's, you know, telling them, come, come, come. But he stays at the tree. He doesn't leave the tree. He doesn't leave the path. He doesn't leave the rod of iron, but he stays where he is. And then he beckons in a loving, loving way. And there were two amazing talks about this staying at the tree. The first one was given by Elder Kevin Pearson. And he talked about this same vision of Lehi staying at the tree and then telling other people to come. And he says, Lehi's message is to stay by the tree. We stay because we are converted unto the Lord. Brothers and sisters, Enduring to the end is the great test of discipleship. Our daily discipleship will determine our eternal destiny. Awaken unto God, cling to truth, keep your sacred temple covenants, and stay by the tree. I love that because as times get harder leading up to the second coming, those around us need a solid example of someone in mortality that has found the Lord and is committed to him and staying on the covenant path. We do not have the luxury of wandering off for a while and trying to come back. If possible, if at all possible, we need to stay there. If we do find that for whatever reason in life you wandered a little bit, come back. Come back as quickly as you can to the Savior Jesus Christ and the blessings of the atonement and of keeping your covenants. So another great talk by Sister Runya that, that was just recently given at General Conference, she talked about her dad and how as a teenager, you know, she, she was testing the waters, you know, maybe not holding, clinging on to that iron rod as, as much as she should. But she said her dad exemplified Lehi in that like Lehi, he knew that he couldn't chase after the loved ones that were lost, but instead you stay where you are and call them. You go to the tree, stay at the tree, keep eating the fruit, and with a smile on your face, continue to beckon to those you love and show by example that eating the fruit is a happy thing. This visual image has helped me during low moments when I find myself at the tree, eating the fruit and crying because I'm worried. And really, how helpful is that? 
Instead, let's choose hope. Hope in our creator and in one another, fueling our ability to be better than we are right now. And I love that little bit of, of image of smiling, you know, being happy, showing that partaking of the fruit is a positive thing. Because I think sometimes the reason why people want to go to the great and spacious building is that people looked happy there. You know, we, it talks in the description about how the people there are look like they're having a really good time. And so because of that, we too have to be happy as we're partaking of the fruit so that people say it is supposed to be joyful, the most joyful to the soul. And so we have to share that and show that to other people so they want to come and join us. If living in the world does look like a blast and fun and it's easy, that's where people will want to go. They do need to see that there's joy in living the gospel. And that doesn't mean that it will be free of trials, but we also find in the gospel that we have peace in those times. If we put our faith in the plan of salvation and the plan of happiness, and trust the Lord when things are going wrong. Then we can show others as well that when we're going through hard times, the Lord will help us get through those. And like you said, we have joy every day. We do, we should. I mean, that's the problem, is that sometimes <laughs> we don't show that. Yes. And we do need to show that to not just the Lord, but also to those people around us. I agree. So I know you were talking about the different ways that maybe these groups held on to the iron rod. What were yeah. some of those thoughts? So I thought it was interesting because at first when they start on the path, um, I thought of people that are first converted. So they kind of grab hold of the rod and they get a taste. They might feel the spirit just a little bit, but it's just a temporary thing that they grab on and then they fall away. The group that gets a little bit further cling to the rod. And clinging, I think of a little child holding my hand. And then if I start going away, they grab my hand again and they stay close, but they aren't completely engaged. Mm -hmm. And so th that is a little bit more commitment, but not quite what the Lord is looking for. And those that hold fast to the iron rod, I mean, you're not going to let go of that for anything. And you're holding on with both hands and you're not going to become distracted. Those are the ones that finally make it to the tree, partake of the fruit, and they heed not what the world says after that point. So I think it's our commitment level that makes the difference between how far we get on the path and if we make it to the tree and if we stay there. We have to keep re-committing re ourselves to stay close to our Savior, Jesus Christ. And I think that that's such a, a beautiful and powerful image in terms of the fact that it becomes something that's individually committed, you know, and, and one of the things that when we talk about clinging versus hold fast, mm -hmm. as you were describing about a child and how you're relying on somebody else, but when you hold fast, you're relying on yourself to hold on to that, that you have that inner commitment that's not based on other people, but it's based on your own commitment to never let go. Even it doesn't matter what other people around you are doing. And I like to visualize you have both hands on 
You can't be holding on to your purse or the other things in life that could distract us in the temporal world. Um, we have to be all in. And I love that. That's the way that we stay and stay on next to the tree and stay there forever. Well, the power of the world is also to intimidate us and to make us question our self-worth. And I think that's one of the things that we see when that one group is ashamed. It's because people are laughing at them and they're making them feel like they are less worthy. And they begin to question, you know, am I really supposed to be partaking of this fruit? Maybe I'm also guilty like the people that are in the spacious building. All of those thoughts, basically, I'm sure, goes through those people's minds. But Sister Joy B. Jones gave a wonderful talk about this. And she said, if the love we feel for the Savior and what he did for us is greater than the energy we give to weakness, self-doubts, or bad habits, then he will help us overcome the things which cause suffering in our lives. He saves us from ourselves. And for me, that is such a powerful image because we sometimes kind of wonder, well, what happened to those people that partook of the fruit felt of that joy and then went away. And I think a lot of that reason is this self-doubt. Absolutely. I think so too. Mariana, what do we do? We talked about some will come easily to the tree. Some will choose not to come at all. Wonder if we have a child or somebody that we care about that has chosen not to come at all or get on the path and lose their way. What do we do for them? I love in First um, Nephi chapter 8, verses 37, it tells us what Lehi did when Laman and Lemuel would not come. And he did exhort them with all the feeling of a tender parent that they would hearken to his words and perhaps the Lord would be merciful to him, to them. So as parents, we cannot give up ever, ever. We, we think that Everything has to happen right now. But if in the Lord's time, he can soften their hearts. He can have somebody come into their life that will touch them. Or they'll hear music and be filled with the Spirit at some point and want to have that longing to find the Savior again. And so we just cannot give up. That is the point. No matter where we are, um, no matter how strong you feel even that somebody's in the church right now or committed to the Lord they could fall away at some point but we can never give up on each other we have to keep inviting as you said as gently persuasion with through gentle persuasion and long-suffering and I love that the feeling of a tender parent and this idea of he's also praying to the Lord that hope in the Lord that the Lord will not cast them out. He's being very realistic about his feelings about Laman and Lemuel. Yes, I know. He, you know, in the vision, he even talks about how Laman and Lemuel won't come to the tree. And he even tells them. And as we're going to see, that does make Laman, Laman and Lemuel think a little bit yes. about, you know, okay, how come the Lord did not see us at the tree? I mean, how come their father didn't see them at the tree? Um, in also in chapter nine, verse five, 
Wherefore the Lord hath commanded me to make these plates for a wise purpose in him, which purpose I know not. But the Lord knoweth all things from the beginning, wherefore he prepareth a way to accomplish all his works among the children of men. Our Savior Jesus Christ will do all he can to help us find him and to come unto him. And if we ever have a prompting to do something, even if we don't understand why, if it's to call someone, if it's to invite them to do something, whatever that is, just trust it and know that the Lord is working through you to accomplish his work and just go and do it. And you will be blessed for doing that. Well, and I also think right here at the very end of First Nephi chapter 10, and this is a wonderful way to end our discussion, in 10 verse 19, basically we have this beautiful scripture at the end of this gorgeous vision, for he that diligently seeketh shall find, and the mysteries of God shall be unfolded unto them by the power of the Holy Ghost, as well in, as in these times, as in times of old, and as well as in times of old, as in times to come, or our time. Wherefore, the course of the Lord is one eternal round. Therefore, remember, O oh man, and I love that, or O oh woman. Um, I do think how powerful it, uh, it is. Sometimes we read this vision and we think, well, there's no way I could get a vision like that. I mean, Lehi was a prophet. You know, how could I gain that same understanding? And the promise is that all of us can gain this same understanding. If we diligently seek, we shall find through the Holy Ghost and through our Savior, Jesus Christ. And I love that invitation is there for all. He wants all of us to come to him. And we can gain that witness for ourselves if we seek it. Well, sisters, we love you. We think you're wonderful. And we hope to see you next time. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye.